Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the difference between a cult and a church? Usually the tax breaks. I have my fair share of knowledge on cults. The cult of Henry Cavill, Lady Gaga, and Dollyisms. I also live in Indiana, after all, the birthplace of the Jim Jones cult, the People's Temple. We aren't here to learn about him today, though. I have another cult leader who I believe was just as rotten only a lot better at hiding his crimes. Eventually. He is the man responsible for the cult, I mean, Church of Scientology, and all thanks to his unremarkable personality, intellect, and his own fictional writings, L. Ron Hubbard. Boy, it doesn't take much to start a cult these days, and that's terrifying. Magic mirror on the wall, who is the most rotten one of all? Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings. Thank you for joining me on this lesson of Rotten to the Core. It is me, your not- so evil queen, Joshua Waters. This is the history podcast about rotten people where we attempt to learn a lesson or two from them in their mistakes. After our last episode, I wanted to choose someone who could be covered with a little bit of humor. I love nothing more than ripping into a man who thinks he's Xenu's gift to the world. I wanted to start by admiring all the people who have left Scientology and are now speaking out against them. They face a thing called disconnection from all friends, family, and colleagues that are still in the church. For some, that's their entire family and even their children. My rule of thumb is, if something makes it a nightmare to leave, it's shady and crooked. I'm looking at you, Planet Fitness. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard was born on March 13, 1911 in Tilden, Nebraska, as the only child of LaDora Waterbury and Harry Hubbard, a low-ranking United States Naval officer. Since his father was in the Navy, they moved around often until finally buying a home in Helena, Montana. Ron attended school and wasn't known for having the best of grades. He even had to quit working for the school paper while he was in high school 
due to failing his classes. I can't say nothing about that. I failed Algebra 1 and Geometry the first time I took them. But now I can do Geometry at least. Who knew actually doing your homework helped? He did attempt to join and pass the Naval Entrance Exam, but failed and trained at Virginia Prep to retake it. But after lying about some eye issues, he avoided having to take it again. Hubbard graduated from the Woodward School in D.C. in 1930 and started George Washington University without having to take the entrance exam. He lasted two years there, but ultimately dropped due to a mixture of bad grades and the other students pretty much just hating his guts. In 1933, Ron married his first wife and they would go on to have two children together, one boy and one girl. At the time, Ron was unsuccessfully writing and made it his only source of income for the small family. I say he was unsuccessful because he did sell his writings, but he wasn't making enough for the family to actually live on. In 1944, old Ron joined the Navy like his father, and it didn't go well. One of his commanding officers even wrote that he was not temperamentally fitted for independent command. Navy speak for dumbass, basically. He was given control of a submarine at one point, and only five hours into his command position, he had the crew in combat for nearly 70 hours after seeing an enemy on the sonar. It was later found out that enemy was a magnetic deposit that was extremely well known. A month after that, he opened fire on Mexican territory and then he was relieved of all command. After his multiple and reckless Navy blunders, Hubbard began regularly reporting different ailments like ulcers, malaria, and back pains. He later wrote that all of those were lies he told to avoid the Navy from punishing him for his own incompetence. Well, so far my opinion on Hubbard is that he was exceptionally below average and he had the confidence of a successful leader. Lord, give me just a smidgen of the confidence of the average straight man, and I would rule the world. I just don't get it. The math does not math. Once Ron was out of the military, he moved to Pasadena, California, into the mansion of John Parsons, who was a rocket propulsion engineer and follower of famous occultist Aleister Crowley. The men would start to do different little occult rituals, and Ron began a sexual relationship with John's wife. The then thruple would also perform ritual sex magic in an attempt to summon the supreme goddess, Babylon. The two decided to do a heavy-duty ritual called the Babylon Working. The plan was to summon the goddess Babylon, a.k.a. the Scarlet Woman, a powerful entity that would give birth to the Antichrist. This unusual experiment involved Hubbard chanting while Parsons uh, had a good time solo. The two also performed spells involving swords and animal blood until one day a woman named Marjorie Cameron arrived at the house. Parsons was convinced that this was the Scarlet Woman, 
so he began sleeping with her as Hubbard stood by, reciting magical phrases in the hopes of impregnating her with the fabled Antichrist. It was unsuccessful. It would seem that Ron had finally found something he was good at, convincing John and his wife that he was a spiritually gifted and essentially guided and protected by a higher power. And after all that John had done for Ron, John was left with egg on his face and in bankruptcy. Ron convinced John to give him a huge amount of money in a scheme where they would buy and resell yachts. Well, after Ron was handed the money, he took off with John's yacht and his wife, and they moved. Ron then married her, and John's wife wasn't too pleased since they were still also married. They then burned through John's fortune quickly, and Ron had to resort back to writing for money. His small pension from the Navy for his lackluster service just wasn't enough. So he reportedly wrote to them for an increase and psychiatric treatment. Even though they did increase his pension, he still faced money troubles and was arrested in 1948 for check fraud. Later that same year, Ron and his second wife moved to Georgia, where he claimed to have volunteered at a psychiatric clinic. This is also around the time where Ron began writing a book that would go on to launch the Church of Scientology, and it was called Dianetics. In the book, Hubbard claims that there existed a superhuman condition, which he called the state of clear. He claimed people in that state would have a perfectly functioning mind with an improved IQ and photographic memory. The clear would be cured of all physical ailments ranging from poor eyesight to the common cold, which Hubbard asserted was purely psychosomatic. To promote his upcoming book, Hubbard enlisted his longtime editor friend, John Campbell, who was fascinated with fringe psychologies and psychic powers. Campbell invited Hubbard and Sarah to move to New Jersey. Campbell, in return, recruited an acquaintance, medical doctor Joseph Winter, to help promote the book. Campbell wrote Winter, exclaiming that Hubbard had worked with nearly 1,000 different cases, and he cured every single one. That was all, of course, lies. This man was so unsuccessful in all his endeavors and had lied and cheated on those who had trusted him the most and was now trying to sell the masses and teach them how to be successful like himself. If only it had been comedy writing instead of fiction. Dianetics lost public credibility on August 10th when a presentation by Hubbard himself before an audience of 6,000 at the Shrine Auditorium in L.A. failed. He introduced a woman named Sonia and told the audience that after undergoing Dianetic therapy, she now possessed perfect recall only for her to forget the collar of Hubbard's tie moments later. Many audience members walked out, and popular science writer Martin Gardner publicized the debacle. On September 3rd, psychologist Eric Fromm publicly declared Dianetics as a mixture of oversimplified truths, half-truths, and plain absurdities. By late 1950, Hubbard's foundations were in a financial crisis again. 
his publisher, Arthur Seppos, his longtime promoter, Joseph Campbell, and medical doctor turned Dianetics endorser, Joseph Winter, all resigned under acrimonious circumstances. Well, after that, Hubbard began an affair with a female employee, and a second wife, she began her own affair. This led to her and her lover consulting with a psychiatrist about Hubbard who advised that Sarah was in grave danger and that Ron should be institutionalized. The trio telephoned the head of the Elizabeth Foundation to request funding for the hospitalization. And Hubbard was informed of the plan, and he didn't take it very well. That night, Hubbard and True Trusted Aides kidnapped Hubbard's one-year-old daughter, Alexis, and wife, Sarah, and attempted to unsuccessfully find a doctor to examine Sarah and declare her insane and have her institutionalized. He eventually let Sarah go, but he did kidnap his daughter, Alexis, and took her to Cuba. The tactics Hubbard used are all tactics that the Church of Scientology uses to this day for all ex-members. They go after their character and mental state and even use their own children as weapons against them. Sarah's story was published in the press, leading to the headlines such as Ron Hubbard Insane, says his wife. Hubbard's first wife saw the headlines and wrote to Sarah on May 2nd, offering her own support. In June, Sarah finally secured the return of her daughter by agreeing to a settlement in which she signed a statement written by Hubbard himself, declaring that she had been misrepresented in the press and that she had always believed he was a fine and brilliant man. Have you noticed the trend of incredibly average men declaring themselves as fine and brilliant? It's not the first time. In my experience, true brilliance is usually never known by the person who has it. And it's others who declare them as brilliant, not themselves. Ron also kept an odd journal, to no surprise, in which he, of course, wrote very highly of himself. A comical excerpt from it, I have no doubt in my psychic powers and... You can sing beautifully. Your voice can imitate any singer. He also tried to convince himself that men are your slaves. Elemental spirits are your slaves. He even predicted he would live for centuries, telling himself, you will live to be 200 years old. He, in fact, did not live to be 200 years old. (laughs) Not surprisingly, A lot of his affirmations revolved around, you are as sensitive and sexy as Pan. Singing to women, for you sing like a master, and it destroys their will to resist. (laughs) Just a smidgen of that confidence, my God. In another passage, Hubbard said, your sexual power is magnificent, and they know it. If they are afraid of it, That is their loss. You are not affected by it. But for all his faith and his manly abilities, Hubbard admitted multiple times that he suffered with incredibly low libido and that he wanted to use self-hypnosis to restore his potency. 
I can hear all the women listening now just rolling their eyes. Ladies, how many times has a man told you that he is a master at sex? Only for it to be two minutes of disappointing jackrabbit failure. I bet he just laid there like a slug. Oh baby, oh baby, you're so disappointing. Hubbard's second wife, Sarah, once accused him of being a paranoid schizophrenic, and that incident sparked one of the major tenets of Scientology. No psychiatric treatment, ever. No talk therapy, no medication, no professional help in any capacity at all. But this also means that people who are in desperate need of mental health treatment never receive it. Numerous people have suffered greatly and even lost their lives due to that reckless belief. Ellie Perkins was murdered in 2003 and stabbed by her son Jeremy over 70 times. Jeremy was a schizophrenic, but because his parents were Scientologists, he was never diagnosed. After the murder, he told a psychologist, My mom, I thought she was out to get me. Like sometimes she'd be totally normal and then she'd have that face again. There are countless members of Scientology who would benefit from a little mental doctoring. (coughs) Tom Cruise. (coughs) This is the same kind of crazy as any other religion claiming that members don't need doctors, only their church. Don't pay a doctor. Give the money to us instead. Hubbard's drug use is a classic example of hypocrisy. Despite insisting on clean living and even prohibiting followers from taking necessary medication, he liked to party. Ron's son said that his father took amphetamines, hallucinogens, and cocaine. In fact, Hubbard himself said in a letter to his wife, I'm drinking lots of rum and popping pinks and grays. Established by Hubbard in the 1950s, the fair game policy is one of the most insane of all the church's policies. Anyone who speaks out against the church or any suppressive persons. Antisocial people who want to destroy anything that benefits humanity are open to any level or means of harassment by the church. That would include myself after this podcast airs. (laughs) Of course, they don't describe it that way. But it's basically anyone who speaks out against the church is their enemy. L. Ron Hubbard lied about being a war hero as well. He lied about his childhood and accomplishments. He was incredibly racist and sexist and stole from everyone he could, especially those who were closest to him. And if you weren't with him, he would do everything in his power to ensure that you suffered greatly. The amount of money that has gone into Scientology is jaw-dropping. The church is worth over $2 billion and raises this money at the expense of its members. It is the second richest religion in the world, second only to Catholicism, who has a net worth of $4 billion, but a lot more members. The fees start off small, with training and audits that become more and more expensive the further along you go. Members have been known to spend tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars. But the real kicker is, you're sold this as a way to reach something. But you can never get there. It just keeps going up. 
Leah Remini, a former Scientologist, explains, When you reach the top of the bridge, you will be told that God is a lie for LRH. And there are more levels ahead that will cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. There is no end to Scientology. Ron himself was unsuccessful at even accomplishing his own highest levels. He literally was such a pitiful man that he wasn't even successful at something he created. It's like Julia Child not knowing how to cook. In 1967, L. Ron Hubbard bought a fleet of ships and created the Sea Org, a seafaring sect meant for die-hard Scientologists. Hubbard himself took up residence on the flagship Apollo, after dubbing himself the Commodore. But it was not a pleasure cruise. Hubbard actually created the organization because he was under criminal investigation in multiple countries. So he figured an extended ocean cruise was just the ticket. And if members on board the ship committed even the slightest infraction, they were punished severely. Some were imprisoned in lockers on the ship, while others were simply tossed overboard. And it wasn't as if you could leave. Members of Scientology signed a billion-year contract. While aboard the Sea Org, Hubbard also had a small army of personal assistants. Small, young boys, and mostly girls, aged 11 to 16. According to ex-Scientologist Kate Bornstein, there was nothing explicit going on between Hubbard and the girls, but still, he made them do icky stuff. And I can only imagine what icky means to Scientologists. Hubbard even has connection with Charles Manson. While serving time in prison, Manson came across Hubbard's self-help tone, Dianetics, and found several ideas to be quite intriguing. Reading Hubbard's book, Manson learned new ways to manipulate people. Author Jeff Ginn explains, Manson realized he could attract troubled and self-loathing women by convincing them that they didn't have to be crippled by the past, that they were immortal spirits temporarily trapped in their bodies, that they were basically good and capable of achieving anything. And apparently, those tricks worked. Manson also briefly converted to Scientology, not because he truly believed Hubbard's line, but because he knew it would help get him out of jail. So he was released in 1967, and he had created his own freaky religion, which the New York Times called a mix of Scientology, hippie anti-authoritarianism, Beatle lyrics, the Book of Revelations, and the writings of Hitler. Throughout his lifespan, Hubbard made grossly exaggerated or outright false claims about his life. His estranged son Nibs reported that 99% of what my father ever wrote or said about himself was false. An acquaintance who knew Hubbard in Pasadena recalled recognizing his autobiographical tales as being adapted from the writings of others. In October 1984, an American judge issued a ruling writing of Hubbard that the evidence portrays a man who has been virtually a pathological liar when it comes to his history, background, and achievements. L. Ron Hubbard died on January 24, 1986. It was told that he died of a stroke, 
but his body was cremated and there was no autopsy. After his death, Scientology leaders announced that Hubbard's body had become bothersome in the work that he was trying to do. So he decided to drop his body to continue his research. The copyrights of his works and much of his estate were willed to the Church of Scientology. According to them, Hubbard's entire corpus of Scientology and Dianetics text are etched into steel tablets, and they lie in a vault under a mountain on top of which a Hubbard-designed logo has been bulldozed, intended to be visible from space. Hubbard's presence still pervades Scientology, and his birthday is celebrated every year. Every church of Scientology maintains a whole office reserved for Hubbard, with a desk, chair, and writing equipment ready to be used. Hubbard is regarded as the ultimate source of Scientology. He is often referred to as simply Source, and he has no successor. He is yet another case of an unremarkable man scheming and scamming his way to immortality. I think with all the bonker stories about an alien overlord and throwing frozen dead aliens into volcanoes for their energy ribbons is just a ploy, though. My guess is that they're covering up something bigger and most likely nefarious. I smell a large underground bunker somewhere full of secrets, missing people, and probably weapons. But I'd like to know what you all think. I'd love to hear your theories and conspiracies about the Church of Scientology. I know that one thing I learned from Hubbard is that there are many gullible people in the world. The phrase, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything, came to mind when I was writing this. Since Scientology is one of the quickest growing religions and the second richest in the world, it appears that gullibility and lack of common sense are important pillars in their brainwashing tactics. And I thought Southern Baptism was bad. At least we had really good food. I appreciate and thank each and every one of you for joining and supporting Rotten to the Core. Until next week, be happy, find your peace, and don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. I also have a TikTok now at Rotten in History. You can also listen to me on my other podcast that I do with my older brother, Shane. It's called Mystery Inc. We have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole where we will interact and have a plethora of fun with you. I also have YouTube now, so you can watch me if you want to see what I look like. No refunds. Join us there, and have a great week ahead, everyone. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.